Well, good morning. I am Joel, and it's good to be with you today as we get to jump into the Word of God. And you already see it now. The series that we've come into is I Am Transforms Who I Am. We know that in the Gospel of John, there are seven I Am statements, and those are all metaphors for who Jesus is, for who God is. The greater that we can understand those things, the more we can allow them to transform our life and to help us to see more of who He is, more of who He desires for us to be as we chase after Jesus. But it's good to be with you. And I'd like to invite you to open up to, the, to John chapter 6, to the passage I'm going to be looking at today. John chapter 6. I've been preaching, uh, even prior to this series, walking through the miracles of Christ. And we find a couple of the miracles here in John chapter 6. The feeding of the 5,000, but then also Jesus walking on water. And then we get into this metaphor of, I am the bread of life. So we're going to look at that today. But first, here's a question that I have for you. Because as I've lived various places in my life, um, I've had people come to me, especially in the New York area, but also Atlanta area, and they would find out what I do. And occasionally the question would be very direct. And maybe it would be beneficial for us to even think about it today. But people would come to me and they'd be like, hey, why, why do you follow Jesus? Basically, it's another way of saying, why are you a Christian? Why are you a Christian? Why do you follow Jesus? What does that do for you? What does that mean for you? And it's a great question. If, even if you're watching today, I'd like to invite everyone to ask someone later today why they follow Jesus. If someone that you know, maybe they're sitting right beside you at this point, maybe they're, you're going to see them later today, look at someone who claims to follow Jesus and say, why do you follow Jesus? What does that mean for you? What does, how does that impact your life? I think, I think it'd be helpful because then you're going to be forced to examine that very thing. Why is it that you claim to know Jesus Christ and what he does for you in your life? Now, this is important as we begin to understand these metaphors that are being put out there for us. It's going to benefit us to go, okay, wait a second. To answer that question means that I'm going to have a particular understanding of who Jesus is. And when we look at this metaphor of I am the bread of life, when we start looking through the lens of culture then, that Jewish culture and what that would mean for them, it's important for us to examine why we follow God, why we follow Christ. Why? Because here's the general theme. If I look at John chapter 6, and I'll go ahead and let you know the theme for today. If you look at John 6.35, and you can jot this down. In John 6.35, John 6.48, and in John 6.51. Three different times, Jesus calls out the very words, I am the bread of life. John 6.35, I'll go there right now. It says, I am the bread of life. John 6.48 says, I am the bread of life. John 6. 51 says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. And so he's declaring, I am the bread of life. That, that, that's what we have to understand, is that Jesus not only came to give bread, but he is the bread. Now, you jump into the Jewish narrative here, and you go, okay, wait a second. Jesus, earlier in this chapter, what did he just do? How many people did he feed? 5,000 men, which means well over 10,000 probably with kids and women and everything else. But we're going to have a lot of participation today, all right? In fact, let's go ahead and start right now. Say, say Jesus, is the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life. 
So here he is, all of a sudden, he's giving out bread, he's giving out the fish, he, he's got all these people who have surrounded, here, surrounded him near the Sea of Galilee, and they're asking the question, like, hey, how are we going to feed all these people? The disciples have come to him. How are we going to feed all these individuals? And there's no way that they're going to be able to. And then he goes, what else do we have? And this little boy had some fish and bread. He takes that, and he feeds everybody there, and he had 12 basketfuls left over. We already know all of this beautiful story that unfolds the working of God. And so he had just given out bread, but he's wanting them to know that he is the bread. When we examine our relationship with Jesus, and I don't know how all of you have been taught or raised or educated when it comes to Jesus Christ and the word of God, but many people think that they have come to know Jesus so that Jesus can give them more of what their desires are. Rather than understanding that when you surrender to Jesus, he is now your desire. The Western culture, understanding of who God is, of who Jesus is, of of what the word of God really means to us today. This is important. This will give you some really good conversation later on. Many of us think that Jesus has come in order to give us the desires that we previously had, rather than understanding that when we surrender to him, he is now our desire. Knowing Jesus, here it is for you, knowing Jesus is less about receiving what you desire and more about desiring Jesus. That's what we're going to learn today. Another way of saying it is this. Fulfillment is found only in Jesus. If you really want substance, if you really want something significant, fulfillment is found only in Jesus. Say this with me. Ready? Go. Fulfillment is found only in Jesus. One more time. That's what we're going to learn. He is the bread of life. That that is crucial. It's not just that he gives you bread, things that will provide you with temporary fulfillment, but he is the bread, which means we never have to hunger or thirst again. That's good news. But it's a constant tension for us to navigate those waters, to try to learn what it is to truly find our fulfillment in Jesus Christ and not in other things. Fulfillment is found only in Jesus. And so I want to jump into a portion of this scripture today, John chapter 6. And I want to just jump in and help us to understand some more of what's happening. As I just told you, he's been feeding, he fed the 5,000. Um, John chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. And again, you can go back several weeks if you look on the website, and you can look at that message in terms of the feeding of 5,000 if you need to. But here's what's happening. In, in John chapter 6, 14 and 15, they start to recognize maybe he is a prophet. And so right away, they're wanting to almost force him to be king because they're just going, oh, we're going to win now. We're going to take over. You know, Rome is ruling over us, and we're going to take over, and we're going to be able to have what we desire. And they're looking for a prophet to be able to come. Uh, John 6, 14 and 15, when the people saw the sign that, that he had done, right, the feeding of all these people, they say, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew. He's like, okay, I'm out. 
So evening came, his disciples went to the sea, they got into a boat. We know that's when a storm came up. Jesus then walked on water. Beautiful miracle that we've taught on before. Even when they were frightened and they don't know what's going on, he comes and says, it is I, do not be afraid. They were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was was at the land to which they were going. And then it says, the next day the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there. Now this is John chapter 6, 22 and following. It's a long passage, so I'm just going to speak somewhat broadly today. But we start to recognize all that's taken place. The crowd saw in verse 24 that Jesus was was not there, nor his disciples. They themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. So they're looking for this guy who had just performed all these signs that they keep seeing, and they're like, where is he? we we got to see some more of this. They found him on the other side of the sea, and they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them. This is verse 26. Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. They're wanting more. Do not work for the food that perishes, right? Quit eating the temporary, verse 27, that's part of what he's saying. But for the food that endures to eternal life, this is that difference between, hey, you just want me to give you more food when you need to understand that I am more food. I am the bread of life. which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. And so they said to him, Then what sign do you do? Man, they love their sign. Show us something that we may see and believe you. Isn't that interesting? What, what, what then are you going to do so that we truly believe in you? I hope you see the difference. Do more for us, and then maybe we'll believe. You're seeing this, yes? Okay, well, this is big. we got to understand this, too. We want God to keep doing for us, to give us more bread, and we have failed in the church today to recognize He is the bread. You're going to keep just chasing and chasing and chasing after more and more and more until you understand this. That's why he says in this passage, this is important, verse 31, look on the screen here. It says, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. Now we're going to get into this in Deuteronomy here in just a second. But here, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not... It was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, right? They, they accredited everything to Moses, and he's letting them know, no, it was God through Moses who gave that to you, the bread from heaven. But my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, sir, give us this bread always. And so Jesus says to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And we recognize the power of this statement. Are you yearning for Jesus to give you more of your desires? Or are you yearning that Jesus be more of your desire? It's the word of God. 
And sometimes when we see Jesus teaching on such things, sometimes we, we look at him and we need to evaluate who's around, right? Every single time he's teaching to the common person, more and more, especially during this aspect, during this time period of his ministry, we start seeing all the religious, the Jewish leaders surrounding as well. And they're wanting to know what this guy is going to say and what he's going to teach because they're wanting to examine that because he's causing this stir amongst the people. He's letting them know what matters the most. More and more, the religious leaders are, are becoming hostile toward Jesus. Some of them saw the feeding of the 5,000 as a sign of Jesus' messiahship. Others did not. And so they asked to see a sign despite seeing the multiplied loaves, despite hearing about him walking on water. They do not care. They want more and more proof. We know in Deuteronomy, it's an important passage for us, Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15. Look at what this says in Deuteronomy. It says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is he, it is to him you shall listen. They knew that God would be raising up a prophet. They were looking for this prophet. And yet, as much as they're looking for the prophet, they're wanting to criticize and to examine. And they want proof more and more and more. This is why I mentioned for you in John chapter 6, verse 14 and 15, that even then when some of them started to recognize and it clicked, maybe this is a prophet. Maybe this is the one that was promised to us in Deuteronomy from the Torah. Maybe this is the one, and so they were going to force him to become king. They want so badly more for self. And even you think about Moses, right? You've got the people of Israel in captivity, captivity for 400 years in Egypt, and all of a sudden, here comes Moses, and God uses Moses to deliver the people out of Egypt, and they spent all of this time in the wilderness, 40 years, and as you start to unpack this, throughout that time, God used Moses to feed a nation with manna, kept, kept using Moses to do that very thing, over and over, and Jesus is pointing out that the manna wasn't wasn't actually from Moses. Again, it was from God, but God uses Moses. And now they're looking for that very thing. They're looking for another exodus to get out from under Rome. They're looking for a second exodus of sorts, and they're wanting to find out who's going to help do that. And here's Jesus saying, no, you don't understand. You're wanting me to give more to you, but I am the bread. Here I am. That's why John 6, 35, he calls out to them. He said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And if Jesus really is the bread of life for you, if that's where you're finding if fulfillment, if, he, if you're desiring to know more of Jesus, not just that Jesus gives you more of what you already desire, and again, that's a big question. Like, please go talk about that with a friend. Do you desire that Jesus gives you more of what you want, or do you really just want to know more of Jesus? Right? That, that means it's implying that you're going to have a relationship with him. Um, so I, I've been married. Our, my next anniversary is 20 years. It's going to be next spring. I'm looking forward to that. Um, right now I'm doing math in my head to make sure I just got that right. Um, I'm excited for that. And believe it or not, every once in a while, my wife and I don't see eye to eye. 
sometimes she just doesn't see clearly. And I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. She's sitting over here. Love you. And, uh, but I'll tell you right now, when, when my wife and I are having conversations and we're wanting to explore what God is wanting to do in our lives and the direction God is wanting us to go down, or even if it's parenting and the, the instruction that we're giving to our kids is we've got the teenagers, right? And so they're making so many different life decisions. As we're exploring that, what I don't need when we're trying to figure stuff out, I don't need her to run to the store and buy more for me. Well, hey, maybe this will make you feel better. What I need to do is I need to sit on our front porch with her and hold hands and pray together or go. This last week we went for a walk together. That was our date. I hadn't seen each other very much. We literally went on a walk together. We walked four and a half miles and just talked life. That's being in a relationship with each other. I don't need, I didn't, I didn't need for her in order for me to have fulfillment. I didn't need for her to go out and to buy me something. Right? And sometimes that's even how we parent. If somebody gets upset, if we have a, a spouse or someone, we try to win them over by buying them something else or by sending them, hey, why don't you go buy some clothes? No, fulfillment, that's temporary. That's temporary. Guess what? The shirt's going to wear out. So then what do you have to do? You have to buy them another shirt. They need to be in a relationship with you so that you can go, yeah, we need to hold hands. We need to call out to God because he is our fulfillment. Nothing else can provide that. It comes down to even the basic things of life just like that of understanding that Jesus is the fulfillment. Everything else is artificial. Everything else isn't going to last. It's going to, it's going to rot. It's going to decay. It's going to spoil. And so here he is going, I'm the bread of life. Don't you know that means you need to be in fellowship with me in an intimate way? Deuteronomy chapter 8. I'm not going to throw it up here, but Deuteronomy chapter 8, another one for you to write down, verse 3, says, He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna which neither you nor your fathers had known to teach you that man does not live by what? Bread alone. But on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. We don't even know that we keep eating, we keep and taking in things that aren't going to actually provide fulfillment. I don't know about you, my kids, any of you just love carbs? Can I get a hallelujah? God made them. It's all good. So here's what, any, here's what happens sometimes in my family. Now, it's, it's not with all of my kids, but maybe some of the kids. Um, like I, sometimes I'll splurge and I'll go get ribeye. Like God made ribeye too. Amen? Amen. Amen. You, you're smarter than the first service. So, and God, God gave us ribeye. I, I believe that, and chicken, and all that. It's it's good. Um, and so sometimes I'll go buy all that, and then you go get some good vegetables, some asparagus, and beans, and corn, and you throw it all together. And maybe just for on the side, you throw in some rice, and you put some rice over there. And what I recognize is sometimes I'm the one. I'm pounding ribeye, and I'm pounding the vegetables. So good. And what are my kids over there pounding? Rice. Like, do you not have taste buds? <laughs> and so as a result of that, what happens is that then at the end, they're all cleaning the kitchen. If I'm cooking, you're cleaning. So all this, they're, they're cleaning the kitchen and doing all this. And literally, you take the last glass that's clean. You open up the cabinet. You put the glass in. You close the cabinet. And as soon as that happens, you hear a kid walk up and go, what? 
I'm hungry. You are a sinner. <laughs> you know, that's how it works. I feel like such a horrible parent every time. Like the numbers, this, number one rule of parenting is teach them all about Jesus. Number two rule, teach them to love ribeye. And, and I go, how is this even possible? And it's because we're doing the same thing spiritually. We're eating a bunch of stuff that isn't going to last. We need the substance of knowing he is the bread of life. It's not just that he gives it for a temporary moment. He is the bread. We need to desire Jesus. You need to ask yourself this. Do you desire Jesus knowing more of him intimately, personally than anything else in your life? Or is he a God to simply you run to when you want more? The response of the religious leaders here, it doesn't surprise me. Why? Because it's echoing the people of God, the Israelites, when they're in the Exodus. So God uses Moses to continually give the, the people manna right? Continually does this over and over and over. And the entire time, if you look at scripture, write down, if you would, I'm not going to throw it up here, but just write down Exodus chapter 16, verse 2. Exodus chapter 16, verse 2. Also, you can go to Exodus chapter 16, verse 4. I'll, I'll reference these really quick, but go back and look at these. Here's what it says. Because this is in the midst of God using Moses to provide the manna. And it says, The whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness, even though that God continually provided everything that they needed over and over and over again. And what did the people do? Grumbled. So all of a sudden, these people are grumbling too. When we start looking at this passage, we see it very clearly. Here's Jesus. Listen to this. John 6. I love how he takes all of the, Don't you love how he takes all the word of God and all just beautiful? Oh, so good. Isn't that good? Right now, you're all going, it's so good. You're not saying it, but I see it. Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and believes in me shall never thirst. And he says, but I said to you that you have seen me, yet do, you, yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. I'm here to do the will of the Father. That's what Jesus is declaring. And so those that find fulfillment in who Jesus is is the bread of life, now we desire to do the will of the Father, not that the Father do the will of us. Yes. Like that's one of those times, this is the time you go, yes. Because we have to ask ourselves, do we actually believe that? That as a follower of Jesus Christ, if you believe that he is the bread of life, you are now to do his will, not ask him to do your will. And then it, it gets you to evaluate your prayer life and how you speak of Jesus and how you think of Jesus and, and what you think his role is in your life. 
He continues on. He says, this is the will of him who sent me, verse 39, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up for the last day. This is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him, this this is so good, anybody who looks on his Son, who is the bread of life, you shall have eternal life, and I will raise you up on the last day. And the very next verse, verse 41, says this, so the Jews grumbled against him. Really? Here he is calling out, don't you know that you shouldn't be grumbling constantly against? Grumbling, listen to this, grumbling, this is important for us to get, grumbling about unmet expectations can keep us from seeing the provisions of God. If, if you just see Jesus as giving the bread of life and not being the bread of life, what happens is you constantly increase what you desire. And so those unmet expectations can keep us from seeing the provision of God and that he already has provided all the fulfillment that we need. I've seen that personally in my own life, right? Many of you already know, and just to make it personal really fast, um, Years ago, this was 17, 18 years ago, I stepped away from ministry for a season. I was like, man, if this is the church, I really don't know. I was just, I needed to step away. And there's a whole lot that goes into that, but I needed to step away. And went in, started doing some real estate. I have a business in the background, and so I'm starting to do some other things. And all of a sudden, and I knew, it was about a year and a half long. The whole time, I felt like I was the one in the wilderness because I knew deep inside, even though I was doing better financially and everything else, that I was not being obedient to God's call in my life. I knew. And so all of a sudden, I'm like, man, I, I knew I had to go back in. And, and God taught me so much. Even in the midst of that time, I started doing a paraphrase kind of thing of the Torah, of, of the first five books of the Bible, of God's law. And, and, and I just started writing it for myself. Like, what, what's God really communicating here? And in the midst of doing all that, I saw myself in the wilderness and I was constantly grumbling because God wasn't meeting my expectations rather than having a heart that was all about doing the will of the Father. And and it was so evident. And, And so we decided to leave. We took a call to ministry again, moved outside of New York. And then as a result of that, I mean, even in that was a season of just going, man, we didn't, we didn't have we didn't have anything. Just praying that God would provide for us. And yet there was a beauty to it. There was a beauty to it because every single time we found ourselves with what we needed. And if you're not careful, what happens is like, I remember a season, I was like, God, just give us one reliable car. And when he did, I was like, this is fantastic. I didn't care about the other car not working. Like, I was like, this is, just give us one reliable car. And then all of a sudden it was, God, just get, if we could have two reliable cars, right? And then if we could just have a little bit more room to live in. Like, my first house was 13 square feet. And that's what it felt like, right? Like, you would cook right here. And then you would do like this to take a shower. And I, but, 
all the yeah, someone just got that. <laughs> That's fun. Um, and we start, I start looking at my life, and I go, man, it was actually a beautiful season as God continually give more. But now what you can so, so easily fall into is, all, well, God, as long as I have a, a decent house and as long as I have a couple of, uh, of nicer cars and, that are reliable and as long as I have a few months in the bank and as long as I have, and it keeps going and going and going. And what I found is I, ne- I need that tension in life. Otherwise, I will naturally, because of sin, it's the fall. Let's go to Genesis. I will naturally, because of my own brokenness, start assuming that God is here to give me bread rather than understanding that he already is the bread. You're following me, yes? Can I invite you to step in and to live in that tension? of understanding that fulfillment is only found, it's found only in Jesus, that's it. This is the only place, only in Jesus, only in Jesus. It doesn't say fulfillment is found in all of these temporary things as long as God just keeps giving you more. It won't work. So when he's declaring that he's the bread of life, this is massive for us. It doesn't say that he's going to give you bread. He is the bread. Is that how we think of Jesus? Is that, is that our understanding of who he is and what he's done for us? And he knew who was listening. Listen, in this passage, and I'm not going to jump into it right now. I don't have time. But even in verses 50 to 54, he's quoting from people like Isaiah and Jeremiah. Like he keeps going back because he knows who his audience is right now. And he keeps going back to it. And so when they hear that he is the bread of life, they're like, no way. No, this can't be. And they're just the, the, the Jewish people are becoming more and more hostile toward him, going, what's he speaking now? So this is what I like to do very, very quickly. How can we better grasp? How can we better act if, if, we, if we believe Jesus is the bread of life, that he is the only fulfillment? It's, he, it's only found in him. What are things that we need to do in order to start walking down that road? Because I, I have no assumption that everybody in this room lives as though Jesus is the bread of life. If so, I think the entire state of Michigan, if not all the surrounding states, maybe the entire country, looks different. So then, how, what, what is it? How can we process this? How can we truly find fulfillment? What do we need to do? So three things, and I'm going to hit this really fast. You ready for this? Get ready to write them down, please. And if right now, if you don't have a pen in your hand, if you could do this, because it makes me feel like you're actually engaging. Okay, that'd be awesome. Like that you really like just, man, bread of life. I want that. So then just act like, okay, that'd be good. Thanks. First thing we have to do, examine your satisfaction. You've got to be friends. You've got to be honest about where you truly find satisfaction. What truly brings you the most joy? At somebody, beginning of the first service, they grab me, they're like, you don't know me. And then they just stopped talking. I was like, okay, I'm Joel. 
And they said, you don't know what this place has meant to me. I want to know Jesus more. <sighs> happy dance, right? If that, that doesn't make you want to do a happy dance, you got to wake up. That's satisfaction for me. Bread of life. He's the bread of life. So you have to examine, truly, you've got to examine where your satisfaction really is found. What is, I mean, tr- you got to be honest. I'm just asking you to be honest. Don't say what you think is true. I want you to say what you truly believe to be truth and what you're living by. Because what you live by is what is actually revealing your heart. Examine your satisfaction too. After you examine your satisfaction, you're going to determine your commitment. Well, if that's really where I find satisfaction, then where's my commitment going, right? What, what does that look like? What is your commitment to God? Where is your commitment to want? To, and I'm not saying commitment to make sure you give this and do this and do that and blah, blah, blah. I'm saying your commitment to even learn more about him, to hold his hand like I do my wife, sit on the front porch with him, go for a walk with him and say, God, I just want to hear from you because you're my bread. You're, you're what provides me with substance so that I'm not continually hunger. I no longer have to hunger and thirst because I know the living power of Jesus Christ. And we know, guys, um, scribble it down. You can read this one too. John 8, 44. It talks about Satan. He is a thief. He is a liar. And he's going st- to keep speaking other things of how you can find fulfillment over here. Check out right here. You can come over here. You can find fulfillment. And we keep on having to look for fulfillment, and we never really do. And it's just it's that, that rat race. And so then you want to go, wait a second. If I truly believe that he is the bread of life, then I want to examine where I find that satisfaction. And then I want to, I want to evaluate. I want to be able to determine my commitment to him if I really believe that. I can't, I can't say, man, my kids and how they, they turn out. And, man, I, I so badly want my kids to know more of Jesus than I do. Like, if that's not your prayer and you're a parent, we really need to talk. I can't say that and then pawn off their understanding of Jesus to someone else. I can, th- I can hear amen right now. Amen. I mean, I have to determine my commitment to that. And it's the same when he's the bread of life and my commitment to knowing more that he is my fulfillment. It's not just that he's going to give it to me in some other way that's cheap and doesn't last. And then finally, you examine your satisfaction, you determine your commitment but then as a result of that, you live in renewal. Right? That's, I, I, if, if you really recognize that Jesus is the bread of life, fulfillment is only found in him, fulfillment is only found in Jesus, only found in Jesus, only found in Jesus, only found in Jesus, the way you look at life changes. With all that's happening in the world, my prayer 
has gotten more and more simplistic. God, please reveal your will and your power. That's it. Because that's the only thing that helps. Because he is the bread of life. And so you live in a renewal of knowing the joy of Christ and that he is your fulfillment and you don't have to hunger or thirst anymore. You live in a relationship that provides that renewal for your soul. You chase after Jesus with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You take everything you can and you say, I will fight for him because he is my life. I've lived in one of the places I lived in my 20s, it was really just a garage apartment. It was one room, and it was not very large. And for some reason, they had a queen-size bed in it. They did not need a queen. Like when a queen-size bed takes up half your square footage, get a smaller bed. And I've lived in two-bedroom homes and three-bedroom homes and five-bedroom homes. And um, if you have more than that, I'll be glad to move in with you. Um, I feel no closer to God because of that. I I feel no closer to God because I drive a reliable car or not a reliable car. I feel closer to God because I recognize that his son, Jesus Christ, gave everything for me and he is my fulfillment. Yeah. Will you live in the renewal that comes in knowing he is king? He is the fulfillment. God, I come before you in the name of Christ and I ask that you give us the ability to live fully in the renewal that you bring, the life that you bring, the fulfillment that you offer, God. That you allow us as individuals but also as a church to step into the fact that you are the bread of life. We don't need anything but you, God. We don't need anything but you. We don't need anything but you. Only in Jesus do we find fulfillment. And so may we chase after you in Christ's name.